I learned it from watching you. Please. We haven't had a glitch since 98. We had this written down somewhere. You can die with them, or you can die for them. It's the cabin in the woods. Welcome to the Center Cut. I am Michael. And I'm the Virgin. Wow, David. Mm. It was a happy, happy, happy accident today. If you've listened to the prior episodes, you may have thought you were getting a different guest, but due to some unforeseen circumstances, we needed a last minute guest to fill she who won't be named shoes. And our super friend, super fan of the show, an all around amazing person, Kay, Nan, Kenan. Whatever you want to be called, thank you for being here. All the names. Oh my gosh, no problem. One of my greatest dreams unfolded right here today. That's what we do on the Center Co. We make dreams come true. (laughs) Yes, we do. We're so happy to have you. We're going to call you Kay for the rest because that's what we've called you most of the time that we've ever referenced you in the course of the show when you've sent in questions and so forth. That's what I go by. And Kay, you actually do co-host your own podcast, Unearthed Gems, with your sister, Chris. I do. Tell the listeners a little bit about it. There's a show called Steven Universe. It's an animated show. I never got into it, but my sister, who's 10 years younger than me, has like gone to conventions, cosplayed, and loves that show. One thing that we've done always is when we're far away, we send each other you know, YouTube videos or TVs, episodes, things like that, to kind of get in the headspace of the other person. And that's always helped us with our relationship. So we started this over a year ago, and I think today she's editing episode 59. I always say, you know, start with the newest one because we just get more and more proud of our work. And I think the last few have been actually pretty happy, but we are two water signs. We're very emotional and we've had a pretty horrible backstory. So it's therapy for us, but it's also a time to get together. And it's been really fun. And I know that there's been like a lot of growth in it. So I love my show, but I love your show. And I'm so glad to be here. Yeah, we always tell our listeners to start from the beginning because with each one, we're just like phoning it in more and more. That is not true, David. I will say, though, the um, Human Centipede episode still haunts my dreams. But then (laughs) I remember Technicolor Dreamcoat episode. Jesus Christ Superstar. Yes. Thank you. But you made me a pizza song. So. Ah, yes. We did make you pizza songs. Yeah. Yes, it did. (laughs) Those were fun. (laughs) But seriously, you should check out Kay's podcast. Come for the talk of an underrated, inclusive animated show and stay for the deep, deep talks about life. At the very least, you should check out the episode featuring yours truly and my wife, lovely wife, Ashley. But be warned that my audio that day was so bad, it sounds like the microphone was in my shoe. I apologize for that, but uh, it's a fun time. We talked about pizza. <laughs> we did talk about pizza. But seriously, check out Kay's stuff because Kay is awesome. But enough of this lovey-dovey stuff. The people came here today to hear about horror. David, what are we doing? We watched The Cabin in the Woods, and we are going to recap the first 15 and the last 15, and then Kay has some questions for us about what happened in the middle. The middle that we didn't watch. The middle that we obviously didn't watch because we watched the first and last 15. But Kay watched it all. But Kay did watch it all because she's a trooper. 
Well, also, I love this stupid movie. It's so bad, but so funny. And my hope is that by the end of this, you guys will want to go back and watch the middle. We'll see. We shall see. see. Funnily enough, you actually owned the DVD of this. I did. I got it in my divorce. (laughs) My super awesome divorce. You can take the couch, but I want the cabin in the woods. (laughs) That's exactly what happened. (laughs) You you can have the kids, but I need the cabin in the woods. (laughs) Perfect. Well, <laughs> Cabin was released in 2011, written by now disgraced Joss Whedon. This is our second Whedon-adjacent piece of media after we did Firefly in season one. Mm. It was also co-written and directed by frequent Whedon collaborator Drew Goddard, who, Dave, to your dismay, wrote and co-executive produced some episodes of Lost. The worst. <laughs> Lost. That's my one Lost connection. At least it's over. Yep. Stars a bunch of people, but maybe the big three from our sections were Chris Hemsworth, Kristen Connolly, and Fran Kranz. Is that even how you pronounce it? Yeah, Fran Kranz. Fran Kranz. He is a dreamboat. I don't know that I'd call him a dreamboat, but he's something. (laughs) Is that the stoner man? That's the stoner man. Oh, yeah. Dreamboat's a word for it. (laughs) (laughs) It did okay at the box office, but does feature a 92 on Rotten Tomatoes. Critics like things that are meta, those fucks. Yeah, they really do. But David, I think the time is right to get into the first 15 recap. I think it's right, too. So we started with some intro credits in and around just a bunch of pools of blood. Hell yeah. Accompanied by some like ancient cryptic art depicting sacrifices within the blood, it seemed like, is my best guess. So gross. The beginning reminded me of the opening to Midsummer with that mural that explained everything. A little. Except harder to see and on fire. <laughs> but Yeah. And much more cryptic. Yeah. But I do feel like if we go like if you go back, it actually does kind of tell the story of the movie, just like that mural. I would agree with that. But after it's decided it's done with the blood splatters, it just quickly yanks us right into an office where two businessmen are just looking around in a break room, it seems like. Uh, one of them's like getting some stuff out of a vending machine. These uh, these two gentlemen are played by Richard Jenkins and Bradley Whitford. So you might not recognize the names, but you will probably recognize these boys. It's John C. Riley's dad from Step Brothers and, mm-hmm. and that guy who's in literally everything. And uh, oh, gosh, darn it. Andy Samberg's character. Oh, no. I'm disappointed in myself. (laughs) Well, his dad, too. (laughs) So Bradley is apparently trying to get his wife pregnant, and they're having issues with it, kind of chatting about it as they walk through the halls of this business complex that looks like it's just a normal businessy type, government-y looking place. Other woman walks up to them and tells them that the Stockholm site went south. Which, okay. We're supposed to hate this this Bradley guy, right? Because I definitely hate this guy. I feel like this is kind of his shoehorned character. It's just, he's just always kind of a little bit of a dick. But also, people who use the word jobbies can fuck right off. Like, you sound like a child. <laughs> you should put the little jobbies. Ugh. I actually Ugh. love those two and their characters in this movie. And then the lady that you mentioned, Dave, uh, that's Amy Acker. Mm-hmm. And she's also in a ton of stuff, too. Lots of mm-hmm. Joss Whedon projects as well. He likes her butt. He likes her butt. But uh, they do mention that now there's just Japan and them to what whatever. We don't know yet. Apparently, they're running some kind of scenario over the weekend. And they say that they've ne- they haven't had issues for, you know, 20 some odd years. And they ride along in a golf cart through a hallway as they bam title card comes out of fucking nowhere. <laughs> 
and it's big and red and has some screaming behind it and it's the first scary stuff we've seen that you just described my penis yeah it's big and red and <laughs> nope. there's some screaming behind it. we already know that the big part's inaccurate the listeners know or you just described the corpse of clifford the dog oh god oh sad <laughs> I was gonna make a penis joke, but you made it so bad. Yeah, now you can't. You can't. You could do another penis joke now, but it would it would be basically sandwiching Clifford between two penis jokes. And I don't know if you want to exactly. do that. Exactly, not my thing. Actually, yeah. not my big kink. old Clifford and penis sandwich. All right, oh, we man. are poor Clifford. F- far he died that he was put into a penis sandwich. <laughs> Sad. Well, after our title card, we do cut uh, to a young redhead. Her name is Dana that we learn later, and I just don't want to call her young redhead for the next 15 minutes. Good plan. So Dana is packing. She's standing in her underwear and a t-shirt. Did this girl not watch the show You? Like, you don't stand in front of your large open window in your underwear. College girls don't care. Unless they're college girls near me. (laughs) Then they care. The only reason you do that is if you have daddy problems and want to be TikTok famous. That's it. Otherwise, just close your window or put on some pants. I wonder if this kind of stuff happens all the time in like LA. They're exhibitionists. So yeah, probably. Well, she is just standing in her underwear and packing for some kind of trip that they're they're going to be taking while OK Go plays in the background. Her apparently newly blonde friend walks in. Her name is Jules, and they talk about Jules' new hair for a few minutes, and then we learn that Dana dated one of her professors for a while, but then he dumped her via email or something. So, yeah, it was very, very odd. I dated a teacher once. I don't remember if I've ever talked about this on the podcast. What? Like your teacher? No, not my teacher. Uh, So it's a little different. It's a lot different. I mean, it's a lot different, but also I was 18 and she was 28. So it was kind of felt Whoa, like I was that's dating, okay. dating a real that's a teacher. Little, that's a little risque. Yeah. yeah, little yeah. Risque. So, but she was a kindergarten teacher. I'm here for it. She basically could have been my teacher because at, at 18, I was learning at a kindergarten level. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so, so back to the movie. <laughs> they decide to throw a bikini in Dana's bag because she has to try and get over this, this professor man. And she is going to apparently try and seduce one of the other guys that are coming on this trip. So that's great. Cue Chris Hemsworth, who walks in looking great. His name is Kurt. I can't tell if he's trying to do an American accent or if he's still Australian. It all makes zero sense to me. It's like it kind of pokes its head out every once in a while. But also sometimes it feels like he's being trying to be a young American man. So I'm not sure. It's actually not important to the movie either. But that was a very good observation. Oh, well, thank you. No problem. I appreciate that. (laughs) (laughs) But he does come in with a football. He throws it. He says, you know, heads up or whatever, and throws it straight out the window down to another good looking man who catches it in the street. Apparently that is the new guy. His name is Holden and probably the guy that Dana is going to try and seduce. Maybe. With her big red title card. Maybe. (laughs) No, she wants his big red title card. Sorry. Here's the surprise we all didn't know. In the first 15 minutes, we learned that Dana has a penis. It's very interesting. You did mention that she was packing several times, and I was waiting for you to say she was packing like her duffel bag, but you just didn't (laughs) say. She's just packing. (laughs) Yep. It all adds up. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So they finish prepping for their trip, pack everything into an old RV. And it's worth noting at this point that we have confirmed in a number of different instances that Kurt and Jules are a couple. So so they are dating. Are you just going to completely skip over the best part of the entire movie? I mean, it's the best part of the entire movie, but it doesn't really matter at all. 
to the movie. So my dad quoted that 80s anti-drug commercial all the time when I was a kid. So I recognized it instantly. But I don't I feel like you don't see that a lot, like references to popular commercials in movies. So I liked yeah. it. It was and it just not it was just random and there. But that's what people it's realistic because that's what people in life actually do is they quote media. Yes. So, I so like Kurt, Kurt comes in and he finds some books that it looked like Dana was getting ready to pack, which come on, Dana, come on. And then he says to Jules, what are these? And she says, I learned it from you. And she goes running out of the room. So it is pretty hilarious. It's it's very funny. Loved it. But I think unimportant to the story. Fine, fine, and fine. You always yell at me that my recaps are too long. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> <sighs> But they do finish getting packed up into the RV, and then Marty arrives. Marty is our fifth and final uh, trip goer here, and he is the the stoner stereotype, and he gets out of his old Volvo station wagon, which I'd imagine looks very similar to Michael's car. <laughs> and then he he's basically introduced as a stoner. Like, he's got a bong. It's a collapsible mug, which is actually fucking amazing. Pretty cool. Pretty cool. It collapses down into just a perfect mug. He's like hotboxing that entire vehicle and just His driving. entire car. Yeah. Yep. yep. Brave. Brave man. He's got cojones, that's for sure. What's funny, though, is that like he mentions the coffee mug and they're all everyone's like, no, you can't bring weed on the trip. But they're OK with him bringing coffee on the trip, which is equally a drug. It's just funny how like one mm-hmm. drug is the worst and the other drug is who gives a shit. Give it you to my baby. Uh, oh my I don't God. know. I know. Okay. I know all caffeine right. wrecks me, but I've never partaken in in uh, weed or other things because you know i'm just bad at breathing in general so why would i try to <laughs> yeah i just like care about my body a lot oh nice. <laughs> and what's very what clear into it it's That's very cool. very clear david if i know anything about you it's that yeah, you care about your body i care about my body and what goes into it ag1 get it <laughs> so uh, so we do see they finish packing up the rv here and they they head off and as they're driving away the camera pans up and we see a man standing on top of the apartment building or house or whatever that they came out of and he holds his finger up to his earpiece which is a rookie move dude like get it together and then he says and then he just like reports like they've left the nest everything is on schedule or some bullshit like that so he was apparently watching interesting now marty joining the crew now that shaggy has joined the fray they are the cast of scooby-doo right that's true so who's scooby i didn't think that far damn it well it's got to be Holden. Yeah, I guess Holden Scooby. Cause, it's got to be Holden. Because the blonde girl is Daphne and, and Hemsworth <laughs> is definitely Fred. So You've yeah, given Holden. me a great opportunity to do my Shaggy impression. All right, go for it. Have I ever done this on the podcast? Nope. Like, hey, Scoob. <laughs> actually, it's wow. pretty good. It's pretty yeah. good. Actually, all right, that's all I do, though. <laughs> that's all I say. <laughs> So they do, uh, they chat for a second about how they're they're off the grid. The GPS can't pick up the road they're on. So it's very like wink, wink, nudge, nudge. They're not going to have cell service. So we've gotten rid of that little plot hole, bitches. Yep. <laughs> and then uh, back to our business boys who are getting locked in some like vault area with this bodyguard dude who looks very capable at dispatching foes regularly. <laughs> this room they're in has a kind of all kinds of monitors everywhere. It kind of looks like an underground version of a ground control for a rocket launch. <laughs> like there's just screens and desks and monitors and buttons and bobs and all kinds of fun stuff. So don't know what that's about. It has to do something with their scenario that they're running, apparently. Yes. We do cut back to our college crew, though, who uh, arrive at the most scary movie-esque gas station that's ever existed. It's just basically a really old rundown shack with a bunch of shit everywhere and also some gas pumps. I love how Hemsworth, when he got out, 
to pump gas. He couldn't even try to pump gas without taking the football with him. <laughs> yeah. He's like, like I got to pump this gas with the football in my hand still. If I'm going to have to pump this gas, I'm going to have to hold a football. Yeah, yeah. I just, these kids tropiness is on full display, but I, I think that's the point. I think I know at this point that, okay, like they are definitely these tropes for a reason. Yeah. And I also think like they're really trying to hammer home what characters they are. We'll talk about that. We'll talk about that. Yeah, but our college crew starts uh, starts pumping gas. They're looking around for the owner, trying to ask for help. Don't find him anywhere. So Holden makes his way into the gas station. And as he's walking back out, owner pops out of nowhere and scares the shit out of him. Every time I know it's coming and I still jump. It still startles him. Yeah. Yeah. They did a good job of like the camera panning at just the right time and stuff, too. Like it, it gets you pretty good. Also, he is important. So. That's oh, he's just like a creepy, dirty old man. Yeah, he's a old, gross, sexist dick. Yeah, he looks like. Well, I don't know if it's a better or worse version of Chris Gethard. I don't know if you even know who Chris Geth- Chris Gethard is, but no, nope. if, if Chris if Chris Gethard aged a ton, but then also got a facelift and punched in the eye, this he is the reason people don't like white people. Hundred percent, hundred percent. Look up Chris Gethard. He looks just like I don't even know Chris Gethard. I just uh, was enjoying listening to you try and say Chris Gethard multiple times. such a hard word. Try to say it five times fast right now. Chris Gethard. Chris Gethard. Chris Gethard. Chris Gethard. Chris Gethard. Fuck you. (laughs) (laughs) Man, that went smoothly. Yes! Like ice cream. So... uh, This gross, nasty dude is chewing tobacco and spitting it everywhere, and it brings back memories of my college days where all of my roommates chewed dip or whatever you want to call it. And because we were inside most of the time, because outside is for losers, (laughs) there were just water bottles filled with that weird, gross, nasty spit, and I hated every minute of it all of the time. Mm-hmm. So I immediately hated this guy, even if he wasn't an old, dirty, sexist dick. He, but is, he is still all of those things. But he does talk about like, oh, where are you going? And they're like, oh, Kurt's cousin has a like, new cabin that they're heading to. Like, whoa, I know the butler place. Many people have come and gone from that place. It's like, okay, get out of here, dude. Buckner. Buck- oh, Buckner. I thought he said butler. Buckner? Buckner. <laughs> Oh, okay. Cool. There were so, so many clear. syllables Thanks. in that. <laughs> Buckner. So they basically are done with this guy. Marty makes a joke about how he must have fought in the Civil War. It's all very ha-ha. And they throw some money at him, and they're off. They're off, all right. They drive through a mountain tunnel, which looks wicked cool, but also yeah, super sketchy. Super cool, super sketchy. And as they do, we see a bird fly by, and then it flies into an invisible force field and immediately dies. So they're in a Dyson sphere, a world inside of a world. So ultimately, they get to the end of the road where they find a small cabin in the woods, and this cabin looks tiny, and then they enter so it, and it's huge. So it's like the Mary Poppins bag of cabins. Absolutely. It looks like one of those sheds that you can buy on the lot at Lowe's. Like it doesn't <laughs> yeah. look big at all. And then they enter it and it's like, wow, it's like a five bedroom house. Yes. <laughs> yeah. It's ridiculous. But they enter this creepy, small, giant cabin very cautiously. This is a damn compendium of horror movie shots. Like, you get the creaky door side head entrance from Dana, the walking up the steps slowly from the side, the shot taken from the pile of leaves perspective. Kind of into it. I was into it. Like, everyone looking at it, like, sketchily, like, oh, this doesn't look great at all. I I liked all the shots right at the beginning there. Yeah. Uh, Holden brings his bag into a room and sees a creepy picture on the wall. 
And that's it. That's all we got. Yeah, that painting reminds me of... So my favorite artist is Francisco Goya. And one of his paintings is Saturn Devouring His Son. Oh, God. Check out that painting if you haven't. I have. But it reminded me of that. It reminded me of Goya-style paintings, which are just always fucked up. But yeah, I wanted to see more of the Are you just trying to sound studious in front of Kay? Studious? Um, Yeah. You keep on like trying to make yourself sound all fancy and, and knowledgeable and I am smart. fancy. He's my favorite artist. What are you talking about? What was that painting called? I want to look at it. Saturn devouring his son. I'm waiting for Dave's reaction to this. Mm, yep. <laughs> Looks good. <laughs> <laughs> well, the painting in Holden's room is very much like the painting that you brought up, Michael. But it's it's like a crowd of people ripping open like multiple sheep. Oh, they're sheep. Oh, I, think I thought they were people. I kind of thought it was sheep as well. Okay, but I could be wrong. Or or an, uh, a small animal. There's also like a figure in the background, like in the trees, just standing there mm. watching. Um, but it just seems like that it's this horror party of ripping flesh. A sign of things to come. Yeah, exactly. All right. Well, the last fifteen picks up at one hour fourteen minutes and fifty five seconds. We open to Dana and Marty in what appears to be some sort of control room, but not the one that we last saw the two scientist guys in earlier. And they're both very bloodied up. Mm. Very bloodied up. They've seen some shit. Yeah. Dana's just pressing buttons and pulling levers blindly like a toddler. And we see from the monitors that there are some spoopy things about. See, it seemed to me like she really knew what she was doing to get the following to happen. Maybe. 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 But she was sitting on the ground, so I don't know how she could see that tall. But anyway, outside, in between sets of elevators, a bunch of SWAT-looking dudes are just shooting at the air. No idea why. I don't know what they're shooting at. But they hold fire, the elevators open, and all hell breaks loose. Literally all hell. There's a giant snake, a werewolf, a big tree thing, phantasms, bats, robot scorpions, zombies, you name it. It's probably there running through the military men like tequila shots on Cinco de Mayo. Did you see the ballet girl? Yes, there was a ballet girl. Just everything from a horror movie that you can think of was probably in that hall. Yes. Weird. Now, Mm -hmm. the next couple minutes, we just get a bunch of shots of these horror cliches marauding around the facility and wiping out workers as they go. A lot of this is probably lost on me because I'm not a horror guy, but I think there's an off-brand Hellraiser dude some dollar store saw doctors, like the saw guy, a Michael Myers wannabe, and my anaconda don't want none unless you've got buns, hon. That's just your way of saying snake? Yep. Gotcha. Our two scientist guys are in their control room from earlier, and it is code black, and the lights go out. Never good. A big furry bat thing launches itself into Dana and Marty's room, so they brave the halls until they make it to a hole in a wall that a creature had barreled through with a scientist in tow. We get some more horror cliches doing some murdering. There's an unkillable clown, a fucking unicorn impales a man. (laughs) That was great. The music (laughs) in particular when it happened was very majestic and magical, and I loved it. There's a Walmart version of the girl from The Ring stumbling around, and then... Some Slipknot extras get the military dude protecting our two douchey scientists. Oh, no. He was the chosen one. Yeah. The Slipknot dudes explode a bomb of some sort, which incapacitates the douchier of the two dudes for a couple moments. I think moments. that was the army boy who, as a last-ditch effort to oh, save he the did. scientists, he, uh, he pulled it like a grenade yeah. or whatever that he had and 
Yeah. Yep. It was the army boy from the very beginning of the movie. Yep. It hurts the douchey scientist for a couple moments before he's eaten alive by this elephant man looking sea creature blobby thing that sprays blood out of its blowhole. It just looked like a, like a the shitty, shitty mermaid. <laughs> a very, 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 you know, very terrible mermaid. A, a two out of 10 mermaid. Okay. <laughs> I can confirm that's what it was. Oh, perfect. Yeah, a really shitty mermaid, yeah. John C. Riley's dad sneaks down a trap door, and right as he turns a corner, he gets stabbed in the gut by Dana. You know what annoys me about this kind of stuff? So, like, they have this hatch built in as, like, a like an emergency escape from this room, and he has to fucking punch a bunch of shit in it for 15 goddamn minutes before he can get out of there. If they were going to make an emergency escape, why would they also put a bunch of shit you have to do before you're allowed to emergency escape? It's a good point. Stupid. It's a very but they good always point. do that kind of stuff in horror movies. It's like I can't get out. I gotta put in the code. It's like, well, <laughs> come on. It's a fair point. So after he gets stabbed, they share a moment in which he utters, "Kill him." And I think he means Marty. Probably Marty. I was pretty confident she meant Marty. Yeah. Also, I was confused. Did she mean to stab him, or was it just like a happy accident because she thought he was a monster? I think it was a happy accident, just like Kay being here today. <laughs> Even if it was an accident, she was like, "Okay, good, good." Well, that's what a happy accident is. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I, I suppose you're right. I suppose I already described it. Yep. Good talk. They d- <laughs> they descend down some ancient looking steps onto this big circular stone platform that has five large stones around it depicting rudimentary characters, which we'll learn about in a few moments. Dana puzzles out that it signifies a ritual sacrifice that the five original group that went on the trip must be, and out pops Sigourney Weaver, who explains what each one depicts as we get clips from earlier in the film showcasing that person. I never in a million years would have guessed Sigourney Weaver would be the person coming out. (laughs) Never in a million years. Honestly, the only other person they could have got to do this that would have been more surprising to me was like Meryl Streep. <laughs> I don't know who either of those people are. So, uh, Well, you know who Sigourney Weaver is now because you well, literally just introduced her. And how do you not know who Meryl Streep is? You oh. fool. So we see the whore, which is the blonde girl, Jules. There's the athlete, Hemsworth, who evil Knieveled his motorbike into a, the electronic fence force field. It was so funny just, just seeing him drive his bike into it and die. Mm-hmm. Just like the bird. It's even better in the middle, I'm saying. Yeah. The scholar, Holden, with a sharp thing to the throat. Then there's the fool, obviously Marty. And we get a shot of them summoning some old Greg-looking thing. I'm old Greg. Pleased to meet you. (laughs) (laughs) Old Greg. Look just like old Greg. Look just like old Greg. (laughs) I'm glad that you know who old Greg is. Yeah, brings me back. And finally, the virgin, Dana, though Sigourney admits they make do sometimes since we know that Dana had that Professor D. Yeah, thanks, Sigourney Weaver, for ruining our whole show and just recapping the whole movie for us in the last five minutes. Jerk. We did learn a lot about the middle in that little (laughs) chunk. Yeah. Sigourney explains that there are ancient gods beneath them that will destroy the world if they get released. This is just the smoke monster from the Lost Island. Same exact thing. Write your own story, Goddard, you cuck. No one uses cuck. It's the Lost. That's what the Lost Island is. The smoke monster. I'm sorry if I'm spoiling Lost for you. The smoke monster, if it gets out, (laughs) will destroy the world. I could not care any less. Well, I'm just saying this is that. And they literally look like smoke. It is the fucking smoke monster. And this is the island. Okay, back me up here. I just I'm just thinking back to my time watching Lost and remembering that it needed more smoke monster. Mm -hmm. I mean, I just feel like 
Dave doesn't care about Lost. I haven't watched it in a long time. So So you're telling me to move on. I like it. I love it. I love it. In fact. It's the nice way of saying Michael, shut the fuck up. Well, I mean, it's not just that. It's that you like the end and I don't. Okay. Oh, yes. <sighs> I do like ends. I do like ends. Anyway. <laughs> so Sigourney basically tells Marty that he needs to die. And she makes a solid point. Like, dude, if you don't die now, you're just going to die when the gods destroy everybody if the ritual is not complete. So you're kind of being an unwashed asshole by not dying now and saving everybody else. Yep. If we're to believe things are correct. I guess that's probably like the moral dilemma, right? Is like, do we believe that this whole situation, like they literally just learned all this. It's like, okay, do I believe Sigourney Weaver in that I need to die in order to save the whole world? Or is she just trying to like, you know, satisfy her itch for, for some stone, some weed soaked blood, you know? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> so Dana's about to do the right thing and shoot Marty from behind, but she hesitates. They talk for a moment, and then Michael J. Fox as Teen Wolf bites her in the neck. <laughs> all these cliches and tropes, and they hit us with the biggest one of all, the talking instead of just blasting. Always be blasting. A-B-B-O. You miss 100% of the shots you don't take. Wayne Gretzky and me. <laughs> <laughs> you can't also claim a famous quote. <laughs> I also said that it's an office reference. Yeah, I know. But but why? Why do they? Why do people in every show and every movie ever hesitate? If you're gonna do it and shoot the gun, just do it. Just do it. Bad things happen when you wait. She was hesitant because she was hesitating. It was just her friend. Friend, they just met each other. That's not true. How do you know that? <laughs> On what basis are you making that fact? This sounds like a factoid to me, not a fact. Because <laughs> you're making an assumption based on information rather than a fact. I think they're all friends and have been, other than Holden, because he's a new guy. Okay. Maybe you're right. Like, even if Sigourney Weaver came in here right now and told me that I had to shoot you to, to save the world, I would hesitate. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> would you? I mean, who am I shooting? Dave. Oh, that's not very nice. <laughs> well, I mean, why does that make a difference, Kay? Huh? <laughs> I would question first why Sigourney was there and probably shoot her, honestly. Mm, I like like it. it. You could be the sacrifice. Yeah, yeah, you be the sacrifice, you whore. Well, also, like, not, I don't think this is a huge spoiler. She's known as the director. Like, literally, Sigourney spoke in the movie five minutes before she showed up on the screen. Like, there's no previous mention about her really like she gotcha. she didn't show so, like, up before so they would have no reason to trust her in the least right yeah okay at least dana knows that marty had gone through some of the same stuff she had okay i like it so even though she's just getting munched on for a good 15 seconds somehow dana does not die and marty scares the beast away by shooting at it a few times Oh, man. Sigourney and Marty start tussling on the edge of the platform, and the budget ring girl, sans one arm, (laughs) comes and chops Sigourney's head with an axe. Cool. She's actually semi-famous, too. That actress. Oh, Sigourney Weaver. No. No, not Sigourney Weaver. (laughs) Obviously, Sigourney Weaver was famous. (laughs) What actress? the worst. The actress paying budget ring girl. Yeah. Oh, I don't consider I don't consider that person an actress. They're just they're <laughs> what, the, what is wrong with you? <laughs> not because of the one arm part. No, not because of the one arm. I'm talking about because like No. Why would why would you even assume that the reason that we're questioning you is because of the one arm? Well, why are you assuming it? 
why is she not an actress for <laughs> acting in this movie? She doesn't say anything. She's just dressed up in an ugly clothes and uh, swinging an axe. She's that's not, still she, an actress. No, that's an she, extra. She's a glorified extra. An extra went through five hours of makeup to get prepared. Yeah, some extras do. If you don't have a word and it's not a 1910s pre-talkie, then you're not an actor or an actress. You're just a person that does stuff. You're a stunt double. Disagree. Well, completely disagree. (laughs) I would actually say that the mannerisms and the movement is the acting. And then there is also talking. No, I would say the complete opposite. No, not an actor. Not an actor. Okay, well, if anyone is is interested, her name is Jodell Micah Furland, and she's a great actress. Has she ever talked in anything before? Yes, she has. She has spoken before, yes. <laughs> All right. <laughs> she's about to hit Marty next, but he kicks both her and the bloody husk of Sigourney Weaver into the smoke gods below. Thank you. Somebody needed to. And then Marty just goes and chills with Dana on the steps. They apologize to each other, light up a joint, and ready for the end of the world, because humanity equals shit. Fair point Mm -hmm. now even though sigourney said they had eight minutes this thing's going off in six i think it's just mad that i had to eat sigourney weaver (laughs) (laughs) i think said i'm just mad no (laughs) i'm just mad i had to eat (laughs) eat sigourney weaver no i think like he kicked sigourney weaver in there and she got down there and it's like "Eh, this isn't what i asked for this isn't what i ordered send it back flipped out (laughs) yeah maybe Everything starts to crumble, and then apparently this base was under the cabin because it the cabin implodes, and a giant gray god arm shoots up from the cabin hole and smacks us in the face, and then bam, title card. It's over. <laughs> so that was the movie. Now, before we get into the great questions that Kay has for us, we need to implode into a center commercial. Let's talk about our bods. <laughs> Today's episode is brought to you yet again by Athletic Greens AG1. Dave talked about how he takes this stuff last week, and I had to see what all the hype was about. So now I've ordered some, and I can't wait until I can drink that good, good, tropical deliciousness. So what is this stuff? With one delicious scoop of AG1, you're absorbing 75 high-quality vitamins, minerals, whole food source superfoods, probiotics, and adaptogens to help you start your day right. This special blend of ingredients supports your gut health, your nervous system, your immune system, your energy, recovery, focus, and aging. All the things. All the things. But it's lifestyle friendly. Whether you eat keto, paleo, vegan, dairy-free, gluten-free, or like me, everything all the time, it fits your diet. AG1 is a small microhabit with big benefits. It's one thing you can do every single day to take great care of yourself. Athletic Greens was created when the founder experienced a ton of gut health issues and ended up on a complicated supplement routine to recover. It cost him $100 a day. You know me. I love spending money, but that's a lot, even for me. Thankfully, their founder did create the solution and is now sharing it with the world. And the best part is it only costs you less than $3 a day, easily cheaper than your cold brew habit. Right now, it's time to reclaim your health and arm your immune system with convenient daily nutrition. It's just one scoop and a cup of water every day. That's it. No need for a million different pills or supplements to look out for your health. And to make it easy, Athletic Greens is going to give you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. All you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com emerging. Again, that's athleticgreens.com emerging to take ownership of your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. All right, Michael. So now at least we're going to live long enough to see the end of days. So 
what should people do in the meantime? Well, they, first of all, should go check out our new TikTok, the underscore center underscore cut, and they should check out all other social media places, Twitter, Facebook, but most importantly, Instagram. Send us a message via your mouth to podinbox.com slash the center cut, or you can email us if you don't want us to hear your mouth. Or you could also rate and review our show if you want to be anonymous and don't want us to know that you love us, but you actually do. You, you do all that, all that stuff as well. So many choices. So much stuff. Do it all. Love you. Thank you. Oh, boy. I said, Kate, please send us eight to ten questions. And you're like, bam, here's 26. <laughs> and so we've... Pared them down to the best of the best, and I am so excited for you to ask us these questions. I'm excited that this episode has turned <laughs> into a basically an episode of Emerald Live. <laughs> Bam. Oh, man. Okay, are you ready? Yeah, I'm so ready. I am ready for you to be here to see me win, okay, <laughs> in person. You've heard it on the pod, now you get to see it in action. I have. I mean, you've heard it less times than you've heard it me win. All right. I'm going to try not to get overexcited and share spoilers while I just do these questions. Okay, guys, you ready? I'm ready. Ready. Question number one. What was behind the picture in Holden's room? I think it is a symbol carved into the wall. And I think that it is the same symbol that is on the floor in the ritual room at the end. That's a good guess. Interesting. I think it's a smaller version of that same picture, but some of the characters in it were the group. Like the the five oh. people, and he was like, "What the fuck?" But then the rest of them talk him out of it, and they're like, "No, it's just a coincidence. It looks, it's vaguely us, but it's not actually us. But we know, we know, <laughs> it's them in the picture." I mean, those are great answers. They're just also incorrect. Damn it! I was feeling pretty confident. We know. <laughs> the answer is it was a two way mirror. Holden could look into Dana's room. And he could see her undressing, and he oh. he did stop himself and pound on the door and tell her to stop, and then he called everybody into his room to see that it was a two-way mirror. Okay. I mean, Seems like a waste of a good two-way mirror. Yeah. Whatever. <laughs> I know, wow. I know. Well, how they figured it out, well, I mean, how they, how they determined what to do next is that he offered Dana that they switch rooms. Oh, and then she could see his pee-pee. Exactly. Smart man. Why is the scholar? (laughs) (laughs) I'd agree with that. That's a move. She did stop herself too and decided to put the picture back up. But then she looked at the painting and was like, nope. And just ended up putting a blanket over it too. And then she switched rooms with Marty. And then we watched (laughs) Marty come to full completion. Nobody else switched rooms. All right. All right. Nothing, nothing. Interesting. Off to a great start. Yeah. All right, next question. Of course, because they're out camping and they have nothing to do, they play truth or dare. Naturally. Who was Jules, the blonde lady, dared to make out with? I think she's dared to make out with Dana by either Holden or Marty, not Hemsworth. Mm. More on that later. Also, I thought these were college kids, not middle schoolers. Like, truth or dare? They should be doing a power hour playing kings (laughs) or something. Truth or dare. But I think it's I think it's Dana. I mean, it's got to be Dana. Yeah. If not, I'm disappointed in all three of these men. <laughs> it's Dana. The answer is Dana. One to one. Still incorrect. She was. What? <laughs> she was dared to make out with a taxidermy wolf on the wall. 
<laughs> motherfucker. And she did. There was time. Uh, it was graphic. Was it hot? Uh, yeah. Okay. Well, thank you for your honesty. No problem. <laughs> wow. I, wow. I'm glad we're on the same page, Dave, but zero to zero. Like, I almost said like a tree or something stupid, and I actually <laughs> would have been closer, I feel like, but ugh. Okay, skipping forward. Around this time, when they're playing Truth or Dare, uh, something happens when it's Dana's turn. There is a sudden basement door latch that just flung open. They go down there. There's a lot of different artifacts. Everybody gets kind of intrigued and pulled toward a certain one. Dana finds a diary. Okay, so she starts reading this diary. And in the diary was a boner euphemism. What was the euphemism for context this diary is supposedly in the early like i'd say 1912 1910 about and it is the diary of the discount ring girl oh interesting i am going to say i see i think that like they're they're camp like camping in this like cabin and everything so i think i'm gonna i'm gonna err on kind of that that side i'm gonna say tent pole okay Boner Euphemism is the name of my first poetry book that I'm working on. Oh, that's great. Small world. Can I pre-order? <laughs> yes. I don't know. I can't even tell if that's truth or <laughs> dare. So I originally had thought that this was Dana's childhood diary and Jules oh. pulled it from her closet as a prank and broke it out during the truth part of truth or dare. So I was thinking like, oh, like something a, a little a little girl would say like awkward popsicle right so i shouldn't have given you so much context yeah so I i'm see. not gonna go with awkward popsicle yeah, i would have appreciated awkward popsicle <laughs> um, so, what a euphemism so we now know it's from an 1800s dead girl so i'm gonna go with a denim cock a denim cock <laughs> the way it's you a denim said cock. that so i'm so glad that he had to come up with that on the fly <laughs> Because it is just so bad, it's good. Did you see Rupert's denim cock? <laughs> Rupert was sporting a denim cock today. <laughs> Dearest reader, yep. today Rupert was sporting a denim cock. Honestly, can you keep up that, that accent and say a husband's bulge for me? <laughs> Ooh. Ooh, a husband's yeah, bulge. Yeah, so sporting a husband's bulge. <laughs> Wow, I would have not never guessed a husband's bulge. Makes sense though. <laughs> zero to zero. <laughs> I prefer awkward popsicle personally, but <laughs> why is it melting in your pants? <laughs> I'm young, okay. Mm, it happens to older guys too. I've been there. Actually. That's true. Been there. Okay, <laughs> they're back in the living room now, playing some music. I think truth or dare is over. Mm-hmm. Who in the group once made out with Marty, the stoner guy? In freshman hall. All right. So this is where some of my theory, my big overarching theory is going to come out. I won't get into it until a later question, but I think the answer here is Hemsworth. Mm. Marty is open-minded. Gender is fluid. And Hemi is secretly a Femi and mm. is actually a dick rider. More on that later. Man, I hated that. <laughs> I, uh, I feel like this is the movie trying to nail down that we're supposed to believe that Jules is the whore. Mm. And therefore, my answer is Jules. One to Dave. Damn it. We do get to see her tits in this movie, by the way, guys. Oh. I always miss the tits. Yeah. Yeah, they're in the middle. Always worst. Damn it. All right. Well, 
one Remember when you said you were going to try and get us to convince us to watch the middle? <laughs> you done did it. There's a two-way mirror and some tits. Two-way mirror and some tits. And maybe Holden's pee-pee. Let's do it. Uh, no dicks in this movie. Oh, sad. sad. No. All right. Jules and Kurt went out into the woods for some sexy time. Ooh. What was being pumped into the woods to get those two closer to danger? So I think it would have to be something that doesn't move too fast, but also isn't super slow. Uh, so my answer is just going to be the lost black smoke. Mm, mm-hmm. Jules Puss Puss was being pumped, if you know what I'm saying. <laughs> it was getting pumped in the woods. No, I, it's zombies. Zombies were being pumped in. Um, pump, pump in zombies. <laughs> yeah, you do. So, okay. If it's a, right, if it's a scenario maybe, or a simulation, maybe, you just pump those babies in. Maybe you pump those <laughs> zombies in, I guess. So you're both incorrect, but um, Michael, you're you're kind of in the right direction. What was being pumped into the woods from the control room was pheromone mist, and that mm-hmm. pushed them closer to the zombies that were coming at them. I feel like I could at least have a we point for that. We knew that they were going to get attacked by zombies. We saw it in the last fifteen. This was a question of what was pushing them towards it. If anything, I said smoke, which is closer to mist than zombies. <laughs> you did. No, fine. One to nothing. One to nothing. I'm not going to fight this any further. Don't believe you tried to get points for that. Pumping zombies into the woods. You did say smoke. I'm willing to give you both half a point. No, it's one nothing. We don't okay. need we don't need pity points. I need your charity. Oh, my God. <laughs> Fuck charities. I'm sorry, Kate. <laughs> for both of you. All right. Uh, when Marty found the first camera. Because, of course, this is all being recorded from the mm. control room. When he found mm-hmm. the first camera, what did he assume was happening? World star! No, <laughs> I, I think he thought it was a prank show, like that Scare Tactics one from the early 2000s. You know mm. that one? It was hosted by like Tracy Morgan or something. It's got to be that. Scare Tactics. He thought it was a prank show. Interesting. I think we thought that the, the rest of the group would have had a general understanding that this was Kurt's cousin's cabin. Mm-hmm. So... I kind of feel like he assumed that it was them trying to film adult movies inconspicuously. Mm. Okay. This one's hard, so I'll let you you guys fight it. Uh, He thought specifically that they were on a reality show. That's a point for me. That's a point for me. Come on. Come on. I mean, I'm at least getting a half a point there, but I would say it's a full point. They're both on a level of voyeurism, so Mm -hmm. I'd say that's Mm -hmm. true. Yeah. All right. Fine. Okay. One, one. One, one. Michael. All right. Under Holden's bed was another trapdoor leading to the basement room called the Black Hole. What was inside? I feel like it has to be a well. There's always a well. There's just always a well. And uh, to call a well a black hole sounds appropriate. So my guess is a well. All right. I think it's a portal to see another version of this cabin in the woods simulation, but in another country, maybe Japan. And that's how they figure out they're not really in the woods. They're in this scenario place. You think that in the basement, there is a room called the black hole and that room houses a portal in which they're able to see what is happening at the other sites. Correct. Okay. If he's right, I'm going to be really mad. (laughs) You're both wrong. Damn it. Good. (laughs) It's Jules' vagina. Damn it. How did we not guess? (laughs) Uh, 
black hole. That is the black hole. Now, I would say that sounds more like an anus. <laughs> True. Okay, it's Holden's butthole. <laughs> Holden's butthole. <laughs> anyway, go ahead. <laughs> Which we saw through In- the two-way beer. <laughs> ah, the black hole. <laughs> Inside was um, old torture devices and butchery tools uh, because the family would just torture each other. Ooh. Oh, oh, fun. Okay. Yeah. All right. That's fun. Fun, you know, good weekend family fun. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. So in the diary, Faith Buckner did mention that her dad had taken one of her brothers to the black hole. So she knew that he was dead. I like it. <laughs> actually, I don't actually like it. But yeah. One th- yeah, I know. It's terrible. <laughs> yeah, sounds, sounds fun. One thing, if, great. You do, <laughs> if you do end up watching the middle, one of the things that I uh, sadistically laugh at is that the bear traps in this movie, everyone can still keep walking, even after they've got a bear trap in them. Don't know why. A bear trap goes into Holden's back, and it gets ripped out, and he just keeps walking. I like it. <laughs> All right, here's uh, one a little bit more lighthearted. At the beginning of the movie, they talked briefly about how, like, Stockholm had failed, right? Mm -hmm. So we knew that there were different sites. Japan and us, I think they said. In Japan, what did the schoolgirls turn Kiko the ghost girl into? This question on its own is so fucking wild considering what we saw on the ends. Like, Japan, ghost girl, Kiko. So knowing to lean into the weirdness... I'm going to say they turn her into a big old floppy wet monster, the, like that one that killed the douchey scientist, the two out of ten mermaid. How would the schoolgirls convert Kiku the ghost girl into the shitty mermaid? It's a ghost girl. We can, we're not working with real life shit here, motherfucker. Like it could yeah, be anything. How do you convert a ghost into a the shitty mermaid? Impossible. I think this is a funny little lighthearted joke about how they like basically turned her into a nice person and they call her Casper. Oh, that's sweet. It's also wrong. They turn her into a happy frog. Oh, okay. Also, I have no idea how a classroom of nine-year-old girls get locked into that classroom and then turn a ghost into a literal frog. I'm not sure how that happened. I don't know what that has to do with anything in the movie, but it's still one-to-one. Mm-hmm. Proud of you for not trying to argue that one. <laughs> I mean, a frog is kind of a wet nope. monster. Now that, you, now that you say that, David, I wasn't oh, even that, thinking about nope. that. Don't give him credit. I just I just started to give him props for being a good boy. But it's uh, tiny. Fine. He said it was big. Fine, fine. I'll take a tiny point. I'll take tiny... one of a point. <laughs> a frog is just a tiny, shitty mermaid. <laughs> true, though. <laughs> it's true. Uh, a mermaid is an amphibian. It's not a mermaid is an amphibian. Uh, no points for you. <laughs> Fine. All right. No context here. The tunnel blew up, halting the team's escape with the RV. However, mm. the tunnel was late to blow by hours. It turns out that there had been a power reroute from upstairs that had delayed it. Who had created the power reroute? The words from upstairs. Mm-hmm. are what's driving me bonkers about this question. <laughs> because my first thought is that girl from the beginning who told them that Japan and them were the only ones that were left. But upstairs makes it sound like it's one of our five friends who are in the cabin, if that's like above it. But it also could be like upstairs, like head office upstairs type of thing. So I don't know. Ugh. This is this one is kind of driving me crazy. Sigourney Weaver. Done. Okay. My answer also is Sigourney Weaver. 
I don't have any evidence other than weaving is kind of like rerouting if you're driving. So mm-hmm. I'm just, it's hunch. It's just a little hunchy hunch. And I'm going to say it's Sigourney. Okay. Remember, though, that Sigourney is a director and mm-hmm. everybody is downstairs except for our five participants that are upstairs in the cabin. It was one of our people. It was Marty. Mm. Oh, interesting. Did he reroute it for some like extensive bong situation <laughs> or something stupid? Can't tell you. Okay. Okay. All right. Next question. What was the message from the other end of the red telephone? She's not a virgin. From Sigourney to the lab coat dudes. <laughs> You'll see. You'll see. I've got it all figured out. <laughs> you got it all figured <laughs> out. All figured out. She's not a virgin. I think this is when we learn that Japan has failed and the U.S. is the last hope. So Japan has failed. Mm, the message from the red telephone to Hadley and Sitterson in the control room was that one of the participants hadn't been killed like we thought. Mm-hmm. Is that when Kurt drove his bicycle into the... <laughs> Oh, no, he for sure died. Instead of getting killed by a monster, Uh, he just like. Okay, so let me ask you this. Am I right? No. What? (laughs) (laughs) What? Just what? She said said that the answer was different from the answer you gave. That's definitively wrong. Uh, It wasn't Sigourney. It was Marty. uh, Oh, Marty said one of us hasn't died. Marty was the one that hadn't died. Marty was the one that should have died and didn't. Oh, correct. Okay. Got it. Okay. We're answering more questions than normal. I know. <laughs> She's going to have a horrible score. We're really bad. Next question, one-to-one. All right. The shitty merman that killed Hadley mm-hmm. in the control room. Why was the merman important? I think he was important because they sent him to kill Marty and joked like, because Marty is essentially supposed to be the fool, but I don't think he's as stupid as they think he is. So they joked like, this dude's so dumb that we can send the stupidest fucking monster to kill this guy. And then obviously it failed. And then it comes back and kills one of the guys, which is amusing. Interesting. I think it's the Japanese ghost girl, remember? No, I'm I, I'm just kidding. Kiku the Toad? Yeah, no, <laughs> since that was wrong, I'm going to pivot and say the kids created it from a drawing that Dana had made. Shot in the dark, baby. Oh. Because she's, draw- she's a drawer. She draws things. Okay, so the answer is not what either of you said. Oh, God. Damn, I, I know. I I'm really sorry. That one. So you remember sorry. when Marty and Dana were in that small control room and they were flipping all those switches and stuff and all of the like mm-hmm, mm-hmm. ghosts and baddies were coming out? Mm-hmm. So all of the you know, mythical creatures were sent out into the facility and killing a bunch of, you know, the scientists, etc. All of those mm-hmm. scientists had been doing a betting pool. And every time that there's a year where this system comes around, everyone bets on how the participants will be killed. Oh. And Hadley had always bet that it would be the merman. And when the Buckners, the zombie family, got chosen instead of the mermen, Hadley actually got super sad and said that he would never be able to see a mermaid. <laughs> so it was and very he fitting gets to see one. Okay. that he got to see one right before it ate him. <laughs> okay. All right. I'm excited. I'm excited for this one. Two more questions. You ready? Mm-hmm. So the U.S. ritual failed. Mainly because of one fact 
The archetypes chosen were incorrect. Can you put them in the correct order? The whore, the athlete, the scholar, the fool, and the virgin. So can you put them in order? Okay. I could finally unleash my main theory. Unleash it, baby. <laughs> All the denim cock out or whatever you said before. Denim cock. The denim cock. The lab people deciphered the kids all wrong. And because of that, the three that were killed were the wrong type slash in the wrong order. So I think that the whore is actually Dana. She'd be hooking up with the teacher so much, she's now a professor of coxology. <laughs> coxology. Yeah. The the joke is that you're made to think the opposite at the beginning of the movie. Like, she's the one that gets all the D, and Jules has kept her V, 100%. So that's first. Dana is the whore. The athlete is actually Holden, not Hemsworth. Hemi referenced how Holden was great at football. He's got good hands. Yeah. I think the scholar is Marty. He's the wise one who has figured out the world is just full of goofy, selfish shitballs who think they're better than they are. I think the fool is Hemsworth. Have you seen that haircut? And he's, my theory is, I think he's a closeted gay man who rides motorbikes and has to pretend he has a girlfriend instead of just admitting his gayness. He's a fool for that. And that makes the virgin Jules, not Dana. Her boyfriend is into peepees and man butts, so they don't actually have sex. She's just <laughs> pretending. She's given a couple handies and footies, but no P to V. So they all die in the wrong order. I, yes. Based on this question that Kay asked, that is exactly correct. Yes! That they all die in the wrong order. <laughs> it is literally the whole point of this question. But my thing is right. Well, so Your master theory is, just came from the questions. <laughs> <laughs> what is wrong with you today? <laughs> Goodness gracious. So do you agree with me? You think I'm right? I think that they died in the wrong order based on the questions that Kay has provided to us. I think your who is who is wrong. Okay, then go for it, baby. All right, fine. I think that da, 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 the whore is Chris Hemsworth. The athlete, I agree with you, is Holden. The scholar is Dana. And the, the virgin is Marty. I think Marty is the virgin. So my order would be fool, whore, athlete, virgin, scholar. <laughs> it, and based on the, the order of how they died in the movie. Okay. You're both wrong, but good theories. You both got at least one right. Well, that's um, good. Okay. <laughs> Is it just that Holden's the athlete? That's the only one that we had the same, I think. I mean, yeah, Holden is the athlete. Good job. Okay, cool. Good good for us. And the whore is Dana. So Oh was, yeah. Oh yeah. She was the last girl, but she should have been the first one to die. Mm-hmm. Yep. Interesting. The actual scholar is Kurt. And we know that from the first fifteen. I have because Man, I had that too. Like the way he was talking to Dana up in the yeah. room about the books That's and right. stuff. And yeah. That's right. <sighs> okay. The so fool, the fool is Jules. The fool is Jules because of how she made out with that fucking wolf. And that makes the virgin Marty. 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 Our weed guy. So Dave did get that. So I got so three. We, no, you got two. I got the. I had the fool as Jules as the fool. I had um, Holden as the athlete, and I had Marty as the virgin. Okay, so I only had two. But it's an all for nothing, so it's still one to one. Hold no, nice try. I mean, it's Kay's We're question. We're gonna let Kay determine yeah. how she would like to. Honestly, to award I was going to, I was going to give you one point for each one that you guessed correctly. Okay, okay. So, so it's, it's four to three. Yeah, four to three. Going to the last question, but at least this last question is worth five points potentially. <laughs> mm -hmm. Anyone's game. What were the five locations that failed the system? 
are we including or not including the U.S.? We are including, including the U.S. we obviously see is. Yep. Okay, great. So then we know that Stockholm, Sweden failed. Mm-hmm. My next guess, obvious, the other one obviously is Japan. So we have U.S., Stockholm, and Japan. Mm-hmm. Stockholm's not a country. Well, Sweden. Okay. I said locations. Just says locations. Thanks, though. Okay. Oh, cool. okay. I went with Stockholm countries. is a location. I don't know if you. Realize. I went with countries. I actually put cities here, but I'm afraid that if I actually say the cities and they're and it's in the same country but not the city, you're gonna bitch yeah, about. Yeah, just go so decided not to list them. Fine. So we have Sweden, Japan, United States, and I am going to say Brazil and Egypt. Mm. Okay. Okay. <sighs> So Sweden, Japan, and U.S. lock those three in. They're more or less confirmed. I think they're the last three. Like basically, this company or whatever sets up five to make sure the ritual gets completed to appease the gods. It's a failsafe. Like if one fails, you move on to the next one. So they're the two that we need to guess are before Sweden, and then it goes Sweden, Japan, U.S. Correct. I also think Brazil, and then my other guess is going to be Australia. I think both of them are populous. They're developed, and. That way, we now hit all the habitable continents that way as well. So I'm feeling if good. If we didn't include the U.S., Australia is my other answer. But that hits all the continents outside of Antarctica. So feeling yep. good. U.S., Japan, Stockholm slash Sweden. Here we go. Buenos Aires, Argentina. Oh, so close to Brazil. And Madrid, Spain. Oh, those fuckers. Didn't, oh, they forgot about Australia. Those fuckers. I even <laughs> looked at. I thought about Spain, too. Oh, but you know what that means? <sighs> We all know what that means. Four to three. That I have won another episode of the Center Cut. Yeah, You look so happy, Michael, after we talked about loss and how it's purgatory, and then you lost in this. There's so much loss. It's great. <laughs> oh, my gosh. <laughs> uh, hey, why did you do this to me? Why did you do to. this to me? Oh, this is the, the best happy accident that's ever accidented. <laughs> Oh my God. I'm so happy. Uh, I'm so sorry. No, but Kay, can't thank you enough. You jumped in last moment, over-delivered. Amazing. And you're a true friend. You are proof oh. that there are still genuinely good people left on this rotting turd of a planet. And for that, I am thankful. And we're going to have you on again. And next time, you will be allowed to pick the movie ahead of time and make your own questions. And it'll be great. Hell yeah. I'm excited. Thanks for having me, guys. Dream come true. Long-time listener, first-time guest. <laughs> Not so the excited. last. A lot of fun. <laughs> and I won, so we'll keep continue that in the future. Wow. For being a last-second guest, Kay killed it. Killed it. Killed it. She killed it. That's killed Outlander. It. That's next week, bud. Oh, we, ah, we're, not, we're not there yet. We're not there yet, but she did kill it. She did. We're not there yet because we have to do center counts first. Duh. do 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 <laughs> Sun accounts. So I give this a. Uh, I don't know. It's one of those. <laughs> uh, it's one of those ones where we didn't get to see enough of the thing. But here's the thing: is that this this movie is an hour and a half long. So this actually is kind of rare for us lately. I feel like we're watching longer movies where like the chunk we miss in the middle is rather lengthy. Yeah, I guess we almost watched but, like a third this of one. The movie. Is like we watched like most of it. It's <laughs> like there's a there's an hour in there. Like, and most of it's just people getting killed. I'm going to give it a four out of seven. I like Chris Hemsworth. I thought that there were a few kind of funny parts. It seems like it's like a funnier take on a 
scary movie, thriller type movie, which I appreciate because I don't typically like those types of movies. But if you can also make it funny, then I'm I'm down. Yeah, four. Yeah. Oh, boy. Here goes. I'm going to go three out of seven. And I already know I'm going to get hate for this. I know I shit on critics at the top for like for liking meta things. But that's basically the only saving grace for me about the ends. It's so over the top with its tropiness. And I know that's the point, but sometimes it also just felt cliche because of it. And not because it was pointing fun at that. Like in the first 15, there was typical teen movie background music almost throughout the entire thing. Like literally all of the college scenes, there was music playing in the background. And it's like, we're not sophisticated enough to just enjoy the movie without hearing fucking Switchfoot or some other college alt bullshit underneath a thin young Hemsworth. And at the end, a lot of it was like, I'm not a horror guy. And so I'm sure some of the references are lost on me. It would probably be, I'd probably be like jerking it if, if I was really into horror. Like, oh my God, they, they put that guy in there. <laughs> oh my God, that's the werewolf from blah, blah, blah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Agreed. But for me, not being a horror person, it, it's just, it loses me there. And also, the end was just depressing as hell. Everybody sucks and the world is trash. Cool. Yeah. Cool. I don't necessarily <laughs> hate that one. It's like, surprise, we didn't succeed. We're all going to die. Yeah, I guess. Or actually, I guess they did succeed, so everyone's going to die, right? Because like the whole point of a horror movie is like our main crew, to some of them to survive. Well, they did until the last Until everyone dies. <laughs> Yeah, three out of seven, three out of seven. But David, we're done with Cabin in the Woods now. What do we have coming up next? I teased it earlier. You did. You know, you love him. That big, buff, redheaded boy. Jamie is coming back. He's bringing Claire. Sad, but he's coming back. Season five, we were waiting for it to come to Netflix. It's finally here. So May 25th, throw on your kilt, throw your woman over your shoulder. And we're going back to Outlander. Yes, we are. Season five. It's been a long time coming, but we're doing it. What do we have before that? Before that, we're going to do a center chat for this this fine episode. And it's going to be a weird one. Mm-hmm. Would you rather be a horror villain or a scientist running a scenario? Yeah, there's. The, I, it's weird, but I think, I think there's some things to discuss there. I have a feeling it's going to require quite a bit of clarification. As they usually do, David. But yeah, look baby. for that in a week. If you're listening to this when it comes out, like you should be. Yep. That's every Wednesday. Hit it up. I don't have anything else. Everybody knows what to do. Check out the show notes for some good old canis. And canis rhymes rhymes with anus. Canis rhymes with penis. It also kind of rhymes with penis. You're right. Do that. Yeah, go do do it. That. She's great, and she's our best fan, and you should all aspire to be like Kay. Mm -hmm. That's what I have to say about that. Like the axe that's firmly planted in Sigourney Weaver's brain, it's always better in the center. (laughs) 